Welcome to the No Wasted Days podcast. I'm Blaine Marion. And I'm Courtney Marion. And on this podcast, we dive deep into the unconventional ways we got sober. And how we continue to stay sober. Well, welcome to the No Wasted Days podcast. Today is episode number 19, and today's episode is called 901. Today on the podcast, we are going to talk about all the things we've accomplished in the past 901 days as we've just surpassed over 900 days sober. Woo! Isn't that amazing? That is pretty freaking crazy. It's been a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty wild ride over the last 900 days, 900 plus days, I should say. But I'm feeling pretty good about things. How about you? Yeah, I'm feeling amazing. So uh, we're going to kind of do this podcast in two parts because... I mean, 900 days, that's a long time, and we've done some pretty cool things in that 900 days. So this one is going to be 901 days, and then next week we're going to do a part two, so stick around for that. So to get everything started off, we're just going to start talking about uh, some of the highlights of all the things we've done in this uh, 901 days we've been sober. So first, we're just going to talk about our first month of uh, being sober. And uh, in that first month, it was kind of... Things started to change around, and I remember being, uh, once I hit 30 days, was when I actually believed I could do this and become sober. That's uh, That was the first month for me. How about you? Uh, yeah, so the first 30 days were hard. I mean, they're, it's never going to be easy, but they were hard in the retrospect that habits had to be broken. Uh, chain, chains of thoughts and the way your brain was wired, your addiction wiring needed to be tweaked it needed to be severed so it was pretty hard especially in the beginning like and I mean I was pretty gung-ho I knew I didn't want to drink anymore I knew those fucking days are over I knew it was time um so like my heart was ready but it was a lot of rewiring my brain and that addiction self to stop yeah so the first 30 days they were colorful to say the least yeah they were uh they were hard <laughs> there's but... a lot of uh, coffee and chocolate and cake consumed in those first uh, yeah, days I candy. can tell you that <laughs> junk and like shit like that yeah so then from uh after the first 30 days till uh probably from like day 30 to day 90 we uh for me anyway I started to like reconnect with myself and started to like kind of figure out like who I actually am as weird as that sounds, like when you're in addiction for so long, you don't really know yourself. You just know booze and drugs and, you know, you think that's like your life and identity, but then uh, you get sober and those first 90 days are really special because you're, you're starting to really feel good. And then all of a sudden you're like finding yourself having these interests that like you kind of forgot you had. So that's what the first 90 days was like for me. What about you? I found the first 90 days to have like almost an air of like excitement, but also an air of fear because you're fucking excited because you're like, I'm doing this. Like I'm fucking putting in the work. I'm going to get this done. But there's always like that, like the monkey on your back. That's like, oh, fuck. Are you, are you going to, are you going to get it done? Like, are you, are you really ready? Um, so it, honestly, I found the first like 30 days, 90 days, roller coaster of emotions, like oh, yeah. super pumped up. Like I can fucking do this. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy fuck, am I fucking doing this? <laughs> um, yeah. So I honestly, I found a really like real high highs, real low lows. But like, as time went on, you know, when you fucking hit those milestones, you see 30 days, you're like, fucking right. I did 30 days. I couldn't mm-hmm. do five fucking days. I can do yeah. three days at one point in my life. Like if I got a whole calendar week without drinking, it was like, holy shit. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, first 30 days, I would definitely say highs of highs, lows of lows and everything in between. Yeah. And I, in somewhere in those first 90 days, I know it was after 30, but I can't remember exactly when, but that was when I knew that this was for real. And I like, I even deleted like all my drug dealers phone numbers and like, <laughs> I went on a big thing on, in my phone and was like, I had all these random numbers and people and saved his stuff. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I just deleted everything. Went through uh, Facebook and social media and got rid of a bunch of people that are no longer uh, a part of my life. And, uh, yeah, that was that was another big step. And then uh, this would have been – I'm pretty sure it was – let me think here. No, I think this is still in the first 90 days. But I had my first sober birthday, which was pretty cool. We uh, – being an addiction and all the money that you spend on booze and drugs and all that shit, it really gives you opportunities to put your money into something else. And that year for my birthday, Courtney bought me a freaking Nintendo Switch, which is cool. I don't really play video games that much, but it was it was just such a cool thing for you to do for me. You bought me that, and I was taking it to work and you know playing Super Mario on my breaks and stuff. It was really cool. Well, and that was strategic, right? Idle hands are the yeah. devil's playground. You got to stay busy. You got to stay stimulated. Or what happens when you're not? You get bored. You fall off the wagon. You do stupid fucking shit and you ruin your progress. Yeah. So it's cool that, you know, we get that opportunity where, like, typically a birthday would have been like, fuck it, we're getting shit-faced drunk, doing a bunch of fucking drugs. Maybe we'll go to Edmonton. Like, that would have been yeah. the fucking, the usual, right? But then, like, it's cool that yeah, to take that and be like, hey, like, I want to buy him something, but I want him to have something that's going to keep him busy, keep him, <laughs> keep him, you know, from derailing and to keep us both fucking, because then we played together and stuff. And like, yeah, like, that was an important one because it showed, like, you can still have fun. There's mm-hmm. still shit. And there's, like, good things that you can put your money towards that you used to just put towards shit. Fucking treating your body like shit and garbage. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. It was a surprise. I came home from work and it was sitting on the counter. I was like, no way. I was like, you're never too old to get a video game. And then, uh, so then after that, it was, uh, we surpassed the 100 day mark and uh, probably 120, 130-ish. But it was our first sober summer. And that summer was just unbelievable. We were doing all kinds of cool things outside we went camping and bear camp, and we all got uh, hunting bears. We got a bear. Uh, we I played lots of golf, and uh, Roner was macaroni was just uh, like half a year old, still a puppy, and we started to uh, take her for walks all over the place. And that summer was just amazing. That was a good summer, um, but I want to dial it back to May when utmost fucking tragedy hit that could have very well derailed both of us. Yeah. Um, our dog that's not macaroni, um, but macaroni's big sister, Claire, who we had through an entire active addiction. She was about six years old. And unfortunately she got the shit end of the stick because she never got fucking fun. Courtney and Blaine, she got hungover piece of shit, Courtney and Blaine. She actually ended up biting the Amazon guy. He came to the house and he, I didn't know he was coming. He came on a Sunday and he opened the gate and she grabbed him and she bit him. Long story short, we had to end up. Uh, bylaw required made us put her down or we had to put her down because she was now a dangerous dog that was really fucking hard like that was may april April. oh sorry that was april and that was a fucking very trying moment i remember at one point sitting in the truck after i had to go or we went and we put her down i stayed with her till the end there i remember sitting in the truck and just being like 
holy fuck, if this isn't like a test from God or the universe, yeah. I don't know what is. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I think that's just important. It wasn't all just smooth sailing. It wasn't all just honky dory. Like everything yeah. was great. That was a very critical point in sobriety. At least I, for re- me. I remember that day. Cause we took Roni out to down one of the roads, North Fort St. John. We had like a campfire and just kind of hung out with her and, you know, just got away from town and the liquor store basically. <laughs> Cause yeah. we were like four months sober and it was such a hard thing to go through. It was we always had alcohol to like help us get through any like trauma and stuff. And then that was like, geez, now we really, we got to figure something else out. So I did the best thing that I knew what to do. Just go outside, go have a fire and just sit there and relax kind of. And I should add too, on top of that, we had just, um, that was fairly early in our little, like our fertility journey. And we had just got like really, not really shitty news, but fairly shitty news on that end too. Um, so that was all that I would say April and May mm-hmm. of the first like little bit of getting sober. That was a real fucking that was a challenging month. Yeah, it was it was difficult. It was very difficult. Um, but again, it's one of those things that, you know, we could have fucking crumbled and we could have had every excuse to go back to old shitty habits or, you know, you fucking pick her up and your eyes to the occasion and keep going. Yeah. And then uh, May that year was when we really started on our farmer's market kick. I went to the farmer's market years before, like, you know, a couple times a summer, that kind of thing. But that was the year when we started going, like, religiously. We still lived in John, so every Saturday, and we started getting, like, most of our food from there. So that was uh, that was a cool, uh, kind of the beginning of our healthy eating kind of started then. Well, I think that's when the spark to be, like, to, like, not, like, you know, that spark to change, to really change, not just, like a sober lifestyle, but like an actual lifestyle change. I think that's when that really started to kind of resonate. Yeah. Cause the first part, you know, the first area of sobriety is survival mode. Just fucking make it through, make it through, make it through. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that summer is when it switched from survival mode to like, Hey, like we need to make changes in our life to better ourselves. Yeah. And then that summer too, we also, I believe it was in July that year. We had a fishing trip with my dad, uh, some family friends, Mo and Trudy, and my stepmom Karen was there. We went down to Prince Rupert, went fishing. That was tons of fun, and that was my first sober fishing trip. So it was uh, like I I told them obviously I'm like oh I'm, I'm not drinking, but like nobody knew that I was like an alcoholic and drug addict and all that. <laughs> but so like you know people were still like oh are you sure you don't want a beer and I'm like oh no thanks, but. Uh, that trip was just, it was so much fun because we went and on fishing trips before I'd, we'd always be drinking and stuff. And I remember like, cause you like fishing is a lot of work. You got to get up early and you know, you got to get the boat ready and do all the, all the work to go fishing and stuff. And I'd be doing it hungover and be like, Oh my God. Like, and then you're on the ocean. You're like, Oh, I think I'm going to ship myself. Or puke. <laughs> So this first sober trip was just amazing because I felt great all day, every day. And I think we really made the best of it. Well, and I think it's the one, like, it's one of those trips, like, don't get me wrong, I'll remember previous trips and whatnot, but we were able to actually fucking enjoy it because we were getting up at fucking five in the morning. Okay. Going to bed at fucking midnight after everything was all said and done. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like not being on the boat, spending half the day fucking feeling like you're going to dry even like just at the end, be like, just throw me over. I'm done. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's when real memories were made. I think real connections were made with, you know, Mo and Trudy, who we had just met with your dad and your stepmom, because they don't know us sober. You know, yeah. they didn't know us sober. Yeah. So yeah, that was a really good, a really good, important trip. And just a really cool way to be like, Hey, like we're not drinking and this is still fucking sick. If anything, this yeah. is better. Yeah. Then, uh, I ended up getting to go again in September for uh, the long weekend, it was kind of like a guy's trip. Me, my dad, Mo, uh, Wade went. And it was kind of the same thing. Like, I was like, oh, no, I'm not drinking. But they kind of, they still, nobody knew yet. And uh, I think, like, they probably thought, like, oh, well, Courtney's not here now. Like, go yeah, ahead, you, you know? Go, go ahead. Go. <laughs> yeah, your old lady's just being a fucking nag. Yeah, I yeah. know how you men think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, no, no, I'm good. And I had another amazing trip. We ate seafood every day, had salmon and crab and prawns. It was amazing. So uh, moving on later in that year was, uh, it was just before your birthday. We decided that we wanted to put our house up for sale and get out of Fort St. John. And it was mostly... Because of this healthy lifestyle that we want to wanted to live and are living now, that we thought the easiest way to do that would be to get a piece of property, kind of have a mini farm, you know, grow our own food, have chickens, all that kind of stuff. And obviously you can't do that in town. But also our old house is where we were addicts for 10 years or 8 years that we lived there. So, you know, even though we got sober in that house, it was still like, oh, I remember doing this there, that there. And like, it's almost like PTSD, I said. But yeah, Blaine had post-traumatic stress from the fucking ice machine. Yeah, it was just like, <laughs> I just didn't want to be there. And So we put our house up for sale November 17th that year. It was the day after your birthday. And I remember just being so like, just ready to get out of there. It was so, I was so ready to move. He might have been ready, but uh, the universe had other plans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll get into that later, though. Yeah, the universe did have other plans. But I'm glad it all worked out the way it is, because now we're, we're at Macaroni Meadows and Hudson Hope, the greatest place on Earth. Absolutely. Fine timing, right? Everything happens the way it should. <laughs> it, sometimes it hurts like a motherfucker, but honestly, at the end of the day, that's a, a, such a huge thing to learn as a human being. Shit needs to happen. It needs to unravel naturally. You can't force it. And the more you force it, the more you hold on to something, the more I feel like the universe is like, no, you're not ready. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. So that year too, it was our second sober Christmas because we got sober the year before on my date was December 8th. So this is our second sober Christmas. And what Christmas kind of used to be like (laughs) is we'd get up under our presents Usually go to my dad's house for, he always has his famous Christmas breakfast. And I'd say probably 9 a.m. Start on the booze. Maybe even earlier. (laughs) A couple shots before you leave the house. Yeah, get her going. And it's just an all-day thing. Like, I would drink there. Then we'd go to your parents for dinner. Drink more. Finally end up back at our house and just an all day drunk. Like it was okay. Not even uh, all day. Like you're off for a week for Christmas all week drunk. Yeah. All week. Like it used to be, I remember one Christmas we went, we did your fucking plan. The usual plan. We went to Blaine's dad's place for breakfast, headed out to, um, my parents live out in Rose Prairie, 
And I went to Rose Prairie. We ended up getting, everybody in my household was so fucking obliviated that we all passed out by, I think, five. And somebody left a fucking pot full of potatoes boiling on the stove. Like, we're lucky we didn't burn the house down. Uh, but yeah, that's a prime example. That has been a pattern. Oh, like, what do you, oh, another thing I should add. What do you get for Christmas from your parents? Booze. Booze. <laughs> yeah. Like, you could fucking play it to a T every year. You know, go out there, exchange your booze, get shit-faced drunk, piss and fucking moan, and do whatever comes with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But every year. And this has been going on for... That had been going on my whole adult life. Fuck, before. Even as a Mm -hmm. teenager, you know? That should have been going on forever. Yeah. And now, being sober at Christmas time, I absolutely love it. Because I love giving people gifts at Christmas that are, like, sentimental. Like, I've given people pictures, letters... Like, all kinds of cool stuff. Stuff I've made. Like, it's it's so much cooler. It's so much better. It's something people are actually going to be like, oh, wow. Like, I can't believe you gave me this, you know? Not a bottle of rum or whiskey. Like, right. Yeah. Or, oh, I got shit-faced drunk and puked off your balcony on Christmas Eve. Like, we've all been there before. Yeah. So then that was, uh, that was the end of 2021. And we moved on to uh, 2022. The year kind of started and we were... We were in that phase of trying to sell our house and kind of being frustrated because it was taking so long. And, and we had actually, um, so not only that, we had put an offer on a place in North Pine, which is just outside of Fort St. John. Um, and essentially what the offer was is we needed to sell the house we currently had before we could take, you know, before we could buy the next one. So we had an accepted offer on that. That was interesting because we couldn't sell this fucking house for the life of us, um, which was very like, yeah, very super duper refreshing, very fucking trying because when you're ready for that next chapter and you're keeping like, and, and you know, you're almost there, you're almost there, but like, oh no, not quite. Oh no, not quite. And like, we ended up selling our house in Fort St. John and this was a decent house. Like there was nothing wrong with it. It ended up going through, I think three buyers before the person, before somebody actually fucking bought it because people's finances kept, kept financing kept falling through. People kept backing out at the last minute. One guy owed a bunch of child support and couldn't get finance. Like it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and it was really bothering me because I was just wanted that chapter of my life to be over, and I was so frustrated because I'm like, oh man, like I'll just let this house go for whatever. Just we take it. we ended up taking a loss on it because we were just like, take this fucking <coughs> house and go. I don't want it anymore. My shit's been packed for fucking five months. Yeah. Like whatever you want, this fucking house at this point, it was just like, yeah, we'll take the loss. Like let's fucking go. Yeah. And then, uh, so in 2022, I was like dealing with all this stuff and frustration and kind of pissed off at the world in general. Like I was starting to really starting to figure stuff out, like how all the food is poisoned and all these random rants I go on and to deal with all this stuff, I was like kind of taking it out on you, on anybody around me. And that's when I was like, Hey, I got to do something different because this is starting to really affect my life. So that's when I started my journaling and I would write shit in there. I read it the whole thing of uh, that year and it was so funny. Some of the stuff I wrote in there just being pissed <laughs> off and, but writing in that made everything so much better. Cause you get like your anger and frustration out. Then be like, okay, what are we going to do about it? It was some of the stuff I wrote in there is so funny. Well, and on top of that too, we are also like, oh, I mentioned in the last episode, we've been, we've been where, what, probably a year deep into fertility shit then. Yeah. So that was on the go too. Like, that's just another thing that's just looming in the background while we're trying to get rid of this fucking house and, yeah. you know, trying to move on with our life and get to the next chapter. But yeah, you were quite the miserable cunt for a while. Holy <laughs> <God>. <laughs> the problem with me is I always take on 
all these things at once and try to do it all. And even back then, like I wasn't equipped with the skills I have now where I can take on more and more now. Like I'm, they feel like I'm in a really good spot, but back then I kind of took on a lot and I did get it done, but. But at what cost? At what cost? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's you're, hard. You're miserable. Uh, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, to uh, deal with some of that miserableness, that year I started a, uh, a challenge for myself. There was this thousand hours outside thing that I found out and it was for kids or whatever, but uh, I was like, ah, I'm just a big kid. So, <laughs> and I figured, well, I'm an adult, so I better up my game. So I, uh, I did the 2000 hours outside challenge and I ended the year with like 21 or 2200 hours outside. And that was just such a cool thing for me. It really got me back into just reconnecting with nature and just loving being outside. I've always loved being outside uh, ever since I was a kid. And then I found myself, even when I was at work, just, I would go for walks. Like our leases are huge. And sometimes, you know, we don't have much to do. So I would just walk around, piddle around, do little odd jobs and just get my steps in. And, and without even knowing it, that was kind of like another start of like my fitness journey. Cause I was, going outside, getting all these steps and just being out in nature. It was really cool. Reconnecting, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a really cool challenge. And uh, I'm not keeping track this year, but I know I'm going to have at least 2,000 hours outside. It's just now a part of my life. I don't have to keep track of it anymore because I just know. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, we walk like an hour and a half a day. Like, you're always, even when you're at work, you're always, yeah, yeah, you're always on the go doing your shit. We stay active. We stay busy. And you know what? It is fucking awesome. We just did the Jameson Trail a couple days ago. I think we may have almost killed Sheldon. I don't know if he was quite ready for that yet. Um, but it's, fuck, it's once one of those things. Get on that horse and get her done because you're going to feel so great when you do her. Yeah. So that was the first, uh, 2022 is the first year where I made a New Year's resolution and had goals for the year and I accomplished them. And that was something that, like, I always had a New Year's resolution, but I never... Like I said before, like, oh, I'm going to quit drinking this year. January 3rd, here we go. (laughs) So that was really cool. Like just realizing that if you have goals and just make a plan, like you can do anything. You can do anything you put your mind to. Well, I'm realizing too, and just honing in on the fact that there will be setbacks. Like don't not fucking kid yourself for one minute, one moment. There will be setbacks. Um, and they'll come at you usually when fucking everything's honky dory and you're living your best life, but rise to the occasion and know that on the other side of the shit pile, there is something worth continuing to climb for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. Just all the stuff that you, you can do, just make some goals, do it, stick to it. So, uh, next up here, let's see. That was the new year. We ended up, uh, getting our house in Hudson Hope and moving here. And that was like such a cool thing for us, for our sobriety, for us as humans, everything. Like it was just, it was just like starting over. I call it like we already, we bought a house once in Fort St. John and we didn't do things the right way. And we just had a shitty life there. So when we moved here, we wanted everything to just be, you know, just a brand new start and it has been 
And it's interesting. So Blaine is kind of like, we're a team here, but fucking Blaine does, Blaine did most of the hunting around. He found the original house that we were going to buy in North Pine. And he, you know, he kind of took this on himself because that's what he does. He takes everything on because he just, I don't know, he likes to make my life as easy as possible, which I think is fucking crazy because I can't (laughs) say I want to return the favor for you, even though I love you. Um, But anyway, after, you know, again, fucking long story short, North Pine place, we couldn't sell our place in time. Somebody else went in there, got it. Fucking we lost that place in North Pine. No big deal. Sucked, but is what it is. So I'm like, okay, well, this house is still up for fucking sale. We need to get rid of it. Where the fuck are we moving if we do finally get rid of it? Mm-hmm. First house I looked at. And I was like, I don't know if Blaine's going to want to move to Hudson's Hope. Like, yeah. uh, like I don't know. And, like, the pictures of it, I was like, the, again, we've mentioned this before, but the guy that lived here before us had, like, a shitload of gym equipment in the <laughs> downstairs. So you couldn't really get, like, a clear... Like, I couldn't really get a clear vibe of it, mm-hmm. but I was like, hmm, like, I wonder if Lane Wood would want to go look at this place. And I showed you, and you were on board, and I think within fucking three minutes of arriving here, Blaine was telling the realtor, like, I'm, I'm putting an offer in on this place. I, uh, actually, at first, I was like, you said, uh, it's in Hudson Hope, and I was like, no. Yeah. And you're like, why? Because I'm like, I don't want to live in town. Like, I was sick of town, sick of people, and I was like, No. Like, not happening. But then I started looking at the pictures and the price. Yeah. <laughs> and just comparing it to all the other things I was looking at. And I'm like, you know what? Like, let's just go check it out. I like Hudson Hope. I like the area. I know that it's in town. But, ah, let's go check it out. And literally driving here and pulling into the driveway, in my brain, I was like, man, I don't even have to go inside. I'm buying this place. I knew it. Yeah. As soon as I pulled in. And the coolest thing is, is we're technically in town, but I mean, we're in a small subdivision with, what, maybe a dozen houses. We're on town water, which on a farm, that's insanely Which is amazing, huge. right, for all your animals and for your gardens and stuff, gardening and stuff. Like, that yeah. is so good. And then I really got to thinking, you know, this house isn't just for me. This is also for Courtney, our future kids. I'm like, this will be perfect. Like, and for the dog. Macaroni yeah. deserves a farm. I yeah. Said that. yeah. Yeah. And this place is perfect. You can walk to school if you want. We're that cl- we're close enough. You know, you can have friends over for sleepovers, whatever. Like, <laughs> um, and like also, this place is perfect. And like, literally, okay, like, to the point that my car, I haven't started my car since November of last <laughs> year. And Blaine's gone for fucking three weeks at a time. Like, we're close enough in town that I will walk down to the grocery store or whatever, wherever I need to go. But, like, we're still, like, on the outskirts of town. Like, it is freaking crazy. We lucked out. And the price that we paid for this place, like, fuck, we we're laughing. Our realtor was crying. He was fucking mad. He was like, yeah. oh, like, literally any flaw he was, like, trying to point out. I know. He was like, um, you guys are pre-approved for a fucking, a lot more expensive house than this. Like, yeah. I know he did not want us to buy this house. But, like, Bl- I, yeah, Blade and I think within, like, three minutes, you're like, yeah, I'm putting an offer on this house. Yeah. It was, and now... The longer I live here, the more I just fall in love with this place. I have a gym in the basement, like, and it's gym movie theater, like the best of two worlds. I have outside, I have everything I've ever wanted here. We have enough room that we can have, you know, a small like a hobby farm, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Um, we had our like a little house on the property. We just turned that right into a chicken coop. It's yeah. literally the original house that was on the property, so it's actually a little house. It has electricity. Yeah. It's a perfect little chicken coop. Uh, the back, the guy that lived here before us had like, I think he had horses and like donkeys and shit. 
Apparently, he used to have, like, a little parade downtown. Yeah. Um, he fenced it literally two weeks, I think, I heard, before he moved. Yeah. So, like, the back's fenced. It's ready for us when we're... When we decide to take the leap and get the critters, uh, the big critters in the back, like we got a space for our garden. It is, I couldn't have asked for more. I really couldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. It's just moving here and living this lifestyle we're living now is, oh, I've never felt better than I do now. And it's such like a, it's such a laid back little town. Like I found Fort St. John was so like, I need a new truck. I need a fucking uh, $700,000 and $750,000 house or a million dollar house. Like this place is not like this, that at all. No. And I absolutely love it. Like, it's so, like, everyone is just down to earth. It's just a little farming community. Like, I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. I love the vibes. There's no fucking shady, cracky, gross people here. Like, I love it. Yeah. there. I noticed that, and I, I'm sure there are people that feel this way in other towns, too, but my definition of, like, success is just waking up in the morning and you feel good. And I wake up every day, like, just feeling amazing and it's not about how much money you have or how nice your truck is or whatever. Yeah. It's cool to have nice things, but if you're not happy, what's the sense? And this is the happiest I've ever been in Hudson Hole. My whole, yeah, my whole entire life. Like I don't, you know, and it's not, I'm not like, it's not like I was a chronically depressed person or my life was terrible. Yes. We've all had bad things happen to us. Um, but yeah, like I've never felt a better like sense of peace. And, I've, and like, I thought, yeah, like to me, success, you know, is waking up in the morning and not fucking being excited for your day. I've <laughs> never had that. Yeah. I never had that in press before we lived here. No, me neither. Like fucking never. Yeah. Even the dog smiles when she wakes up, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, I'm happy. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that was our podcast here. That was uh, 901 days of sobriety. Uh, next week, we're going to get into what our life in Hudson Hope looks like now, all the stuff that uh, since uh, moving here that we got up to up until now. So uh, if you guys want to tune in for that one, that'll be next week. So uh, yeah, as always, just give us a like, comment, subscribe, whatever you got to do. Check us out next week. No wasted days. Peace.